Not ready? Too bad. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it! Hello and welcome to Review Time's Theme Podcast. This is a show where we discuss the ins and outs of attractions and parks from around the world. My name is Dom and I will be your host today as we explore SeaWorld Australia, which actually isn't associated with SeaWorld in the US, but we'll get into that because there's a space between sea and world. But before we get too far, I need to introduce the man who thought that SeaWorld was just a fancy name for an optometrist and was pleasantly surprised when he found out that there were roller coasters there as well. It's Review Time's co-host, Luke Carroll. That's pretty good. It's good to be back. It's good to be back as always. Always, SeaWorld, we're talking about an Australian theme park again, something close to home. Um, Not a great theme park in the overall scheme (laughs) of things, I would say. It's going through a jump into it. Revitalization effort at the moment, Uh, but Mm. that revitalization has taken quite a while. So I would say maybe the last five to seven years, this park's been in an okay but not great state. Yeah, it's interesting because if you talk to a lot of people who frequent the Gold Coast, they'll tell you that SeaWorld is often one of their favourite parks to be in. And I think for myself, that comes down to the fact that like it, it feels like a home. When you go to SeaWorld, it's, it's like going back to the Gold Coast. It, it's like going to the Magic Kingdom of the Gold Coast, essentially. Mm. But at the same time, whereas... The Magic Kingdom is the worst theme park at Walt Disney World. <laughs> so is SeaWorld, the, hmm. one of the worst theme parks at the Gold Coast. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's still got a lot of great stuff going for it. The fact that it has shows and yeah. attractions. It's one of the only parks that can properly support a whole family. Like, everyone from toddlers to grandparents, this is Probably the park that can do that the best because it has those dolphin shows. It Mm. has the seal presentations. It's also got some walkthrough exhibitions and it's got even some just basic entertainment on jet skis and stuff like that. I would say that this is a good marine park, but not a good theme park. So if you go into it expecting what it is, then you're going to have a good day because, yeah, everyone loves to look at penguins everyone loves to look at like sharks and fish and see dolphins jump out of the water and see seals be funny uh Hmm. but if you're just going into it looking for rides there's like two for yeah thrill seekers and and the kids area is pretty good though Before you run away being like, okay, I'm not going to listen to this because why should I spend the next 45 minutes or so listening to a podcast about a a bad theme park, (laughs) the reason why we're doing this today is because that upcoming SeaWorld does have a major expansion on its way. Part of it is technically open, and as Luke was saying at the top of the episode, they're sort of going through this revitalization. Mm. And part of that is the new Atlantis, which includes a fully original wooden roller coaster, as well as a Starflyer attraction. I know that sounds interesting because if we say, like, it's going through a revitalization, people from the US probably assume, like, It's getting this whole new extravagant land, like a whole Galaxy's Edge style refurbishment. Mm. 
It's it's basically the Australian equivalent of that. Like us getting two new rides at the same time is like getting Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> We're used to having yeah. like one ride every five years. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. We're going to talk about what the park's like today. I'm sure once Gal- um, Galaxy's Edge, I wish. Uh, I'm sure once New Atlantis <laughs> opens, we'll come back and talk about how it's changed the park as well. But this is kind of a little time capsule. Because the park's yeah. in a bit of a weird stage between phases. So let's talk about it in that little bit of a weird phase. Because the big thing about the the what Village Roadshow, big three theme parks up at the Gold Coast, which are Movie World, Sea World, and Wet and Wild, they all kind of do their own thing. But if you combine them yeah. in your mind, and they like to treat them as if they're one property, even though they're all quite a distance. You know, Sea World is quite a fair way away from Movie World and Wet and Wild. But... You know, they try to sell it as this big package. And if you're buying a multi-day ticket that gets you into each of those three parks, you're probably going to have a good time because all of them combined do have really good shows. You know, SeaWorld has good shows. Movie World has good thrill rides. Uh, SeaWorld and Movie World both have, I would say, decent family kind of, you know, more children's areas. Though I think SeaWorld is probably better um, than Nickelodeon area, which we'll talk about. But let's start at the front of the park because that's where we should always start exactly. your day. Um, I was just going to well, say that let's- it's got this really cool, nice entrance that for a few years you didn't actually walk through. They, like, kicked you off to the side. Though on both no, recent no, no. visits, that's still happens. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, so never mind. SeaWorld <laughs> is a <laughs> an interesting thing, Mark. The last time you went was January and I went in the April school holidays, which was a bit busy, but not unbearable. So when you look at SeaWorld, there's this really big sort of grand facade. It looks like, for lack of a better word, it kind of looks like the Grand Floridian, but like Mm, a little mini version of it. It's sort of that Florida style red roof and white panels. And For the longest time, you could just go straight up to the entrance, walk on through, and then you had this amazing vista to the park. But they've recently changed it where if you buy your tickets online or if you've got a season pass or something like that, they force you to go through this weird sort of secondary entrance, which is off to the side of this building. It looks like you're going through an office building for some reason. Yeah, it's kind of like a... A conference center. And from what I know, this building is actually a conference center and they use it for conferences every now and then. But you go through this weird sort of back area. They force you to take pictures that you can buy at the beginning of your day. And that's something I I don't. I don't want that. (laughs) Yeah. And then you actually get into the park. But when you enter through this weird side entrance, the reveal of the theme park is nowhere near as exciting as if you go through Mm. the front. It's something weird that they've done in recent years. I don't know why. There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason. So it seems like if they were going to, you know, change it, fair enough. But maybe make that second entrance feel like a theme park entrance not feel like oh you bought online or you're an annual pass holder go over to the side you're not special enough like and it's not like a normal you know you've got an exclusive entrance or something like this (laughs) no you literally do feel like you're being pushed halfway out of the park before you even get in that's the the problem i have is that your first experience is get out of the way (laughs) (laughs) but and an interesting thing as well similar to Main Street at 
Disney theme parks, the entrance land, I, I don't really know what you could call it. I don't think they're really slotted into lands. They no, kind of are here. and they kind of aren't at the same time. They have areas or what they like to call precincts, but I think that Ooh. word's dumb. Yeah, so- <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> So you come into this opening land area and for lack of a better word, it feels like a a shopping mall food court that looks over a theme park. Yeah. And they've got like a nice um, like water as you walk in. There's like a big open water space where they do their kind of uh, jet ski shows and stuff like that. Um, It's going to look cool in a few years where you'll have like, well, you've already got the wooden coaster, which adds nicely to the skyline. It's been pretty much fully constructed as far as most guests would be concerned for a couple of years Mm. at this point. Like it visually hasn't changed that much from what we can see, um, which adds nice to the skyline. They got these stupid buildings on in the middle of the water at the moment though, which is theming for one of their shows, (laughs) but the, the buildings are themed to be like warehouses. So it looks like the main focal point of the theme park is fake warehouses in the middle of a lake. Like the entrance doesn't set you up for the fun you're going to have this day. It's a bit of a hodgepodge. Yeah, 100%. They used to also have, there was like an island behind that island, which had a little lighthouse and a lot of Mm. palm trees. So that sort of set the backdrop. That's been demolished for all of these new attractions. And we'll get into the, that was a bit of a controversial decision as well. Um, But on that little island, they used to have SpongeBob stuff as well, because there used to be a SpongeBob SpongeBob parade. parade. But it was like a parade cross a show. Like the parade yes. would come out and then it would sit stationary for a while and they'd have like all the characters and do like a little 15 minute show and then get back on the floats and drive it away. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a nifty little inclusion. In this opening land, as we'll saying, you can see that show later in the day. We'll talk about the Thunder Lake stunt <clears throat> show because it's a very interesting <laughs> show in which they use That's Cotton Eye Joe and they, they dab and do all sorts of Fortnite dances. It's it's interesting. Very modern theme park, shall we say. Not in a good and way. Then, <laughs> the only way that you can actually enter the theme park is to the left. So all traffic funnels through here. Back in the day, you used to be able to go into a chairlift, which would take you from one side of the park to the other. That doesn't exist anymore. So just in this front area, you have a penguin encounter, which is nifty. It's Exactly what you think. You just go in and see penguins. There isn't really anything else to it. And then there's also the entrance to the monorail, Mm. which, again, another transport option, which is closed at the moment and and rumoured to be permanently closed. Even though they assured us it would be back, uh, apparently there's video or photos of the old trains being just demolished and removed from the park. But officially it's still reopening until I see new trains back on site, I'm not too sure it's going to reopen. Um, monorails around the world are kind of closing. You're not, no one's really building new ones. Like, I know mm. you can buy new trains for monorails, but they're quite expensive from what I understand. Um, the whole story. Have you ever heard the story of Disney's monorails? Why they're so... Well, part of the reason they're so eh. And they were meant Isn't to get- Isn't it because it's like a million dollars per kilometer or something? Uh, that's They say that's to build the track, but it's actually a lot more expensive than that. I can assure you, if it was oh. only a million dollars, they would have uh, extended the track. <laughs> like, instead of building something like the Skyliner, they would have built new monorails instead. 
Yeah. Um, but it has... So the trains are so old because one of the reasons was... Disney can't afford the monorail ch- new trains. I don't think the the value is there oh. for what for what they want. So if Disney can't afford it, maybe SeaWorld can't afford it in their own value yeah. proposition. They can afford it, but what they think it is worth is not what the price of these costs sort of thing. So if you're like yeah. it'd be like if you're like, "Oh, I want a a, a bar of chocolate." And then you go to the shop <laughs> and the only option is $75. You just wouldn't buy the bar of chocolate. Even though, yeah, you could buy a twenty a seventy five dollar bar of chocolate, but you're not going to because it's not worth that much. Um, yeah, it's kind thing- of like when you go mm. into a store with your dad, and he has a set idea of what the price is, and no. then oh, the no, person no, no, says, "Oh, it's fifty. Oh, no, nah, mate, nah, bloody put it too back. Much. That's way too, too much. much." And he sort of like keeps on peeking over his shoulder as you walk in, because oh, he's going to give me a special deal. Never gets a special deal. No. That just no. doesn't happen anymore, Dad. <laughs> um, and the thing was, so Disney I- actually had Siemens. You know, the company Siemens was was going to buy Disney new monorails. Oh. If they could put the Siemens logo right under the driver cab. Um, and Disney said no. They didn't oh, want any branding on the monorail of another don't company. Don't they put, like, wraps on them? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I thought you said no branding on them. I'm like, they're, they're wrapped in Disney stuff most of the time. Which I think ironic. they're wrapped in, like, uh, 50 because, stuff. Yeah. Remember the Siemens logo used to be on Spaceship Earth at the end of nighttime spectaculars at that park when you exited oh, yeah <laughs> so that's fine put it on the the big globe put it on spaceship earth but not on my monorail in the same park isn't the 50th sponsored by pandora uh so is that a thing they no i think that's just the nighttime spec at the magic kingdom because they did use to sponsor uh, okay happily ever after because the guy's voice sounded like this for some reason uh, sponsored yep, yep. by pandora <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, that's why they don't Disney doesn't have a monorail So that's why I'm also not holding my breath About SeaWorld getting new monorail trains Though so we can hope We can hope Yeah, I just I can't imagine them justifying the cost Especially if it's going to be like Even if it's five million a train Which I would imagine that would be the low mm. end For a monorail That's a lot of money Considering that the entirety of DC Rivals cost thirty million. Yeah. So why would got they like spend three stations? So the chance of like if you're buying a train, you're probably going to buy two. Yeah. Is it, yeah. You know, obviously we're just making these numbers up, but is it worth ten million to bring back the monorail? I don't know. Which is weird because they did also spend, something... from what I understand, like five hundred thousand dollars only a couple of years ago to like three or four years ago to fully refurb the trains. That then ran yeah. for like a year before being closed to build New Atlantis and then are now thrown in the bin somewhere. I do wonder if it's that thing similar to like a car where when something sit in for a while, mm. it's like, hey, every two weeks, just go turn the engine on, mm-hmm. take it for a spin. It'll all be good. And because, you know, these things are meant to keep moving. They're not meant to just be stationary. Yeah. And I wonder if they like behind the scenes recently went to move them and they're like, uh, maybe because uh, yeah. it would be getting to I, about because New Atlantis is meant to open in September, so you'd imagine this would be when they'd start if it was going to open around the same time. This would be when they'd start to, you know, six months out, start thinking about, you know, um, getting it back up and running, sort of thing. 
Yeah. Also, if you think about it, New Atlantis was meant to be finished by the end of 2020. So mm-hmm. it wasn't meant to be down this long. New Atlantis should have been open about two years, one and a half years ago. So that's a lot of time for an attraction to just be sitting there that hasn't mm-hmm. been factored into it. I wouldn't be surprised if from the pandemic there was an engineer who was like, you need to get the the trains just going again. They need to be able to just go cycle, around and yeah. move and get get parts moving. And it's it's just one of those things that's very typical for this business as well to come out and be like, hey, no, everything's fine. And then once the media sort of stops yeah. paying attention, then they'll just quietly uh, remove the attraction. The same thing happened with just Arkham Asylum, where website, for... Yeah. It was under, they kept on saying it was under refurbishment and the rumor amongst the um, people who work there and even the enthusiast community was that it it was done, but they kept on saying, no, no, it's not done because there were sort of hawks just circling around me like, hey, are you guys getting rid of an attraction? Like, no, no, it's fine. And then quietly, it wasn't even an announcement. They just came out one day through a Facebook comment, I think yeah, it was, that, that confirmed was. that it was closed. It's I was like, like that's oh. an interesting way to reveal that stuff. But moving on from the monorail, you then have the sea jellies illuminated. I'm not sure if you've done this. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty it's much pretty just... Cool. It's jellyfish. Yeah. Well, didn't it open as some... I might be getting confused here, but didn't it open as... Um, uh, like with a collaboration with a university? It was like a, a research yeah, so laboratory, I think? It still is. It's hmm. a sh- sort of showcase combined with a research laboratory. So the bottom floor is just where they have jellyfish and you hmm. go through and it's kind of like an aquarium exhibit. You find out about how jellyfish are born, then their different life cycles and the different types of them. And then you go upstairs and that's where the research lab is. And this is uh, actually... Cool. I can't remember what university it is, but they they actually bring people in here and that's where they do research on jellyfish. Hmm. An interesting species to do research on, but apparently there's lots of interesting uh, physiological makeup things about jellyfish that can be really beneficial to things like medicine and science and engineering, just stuff that we don't typically know about yet. So yeah. what a better Doing way good. to... Yeah. Yeah, learn new things than to explore something that's really crazy looking. <laughs> then I like once you get <laughs> they're cool, yeah. They're nifty. And they have like lights under them and they're all neon and there's some really good opportunities yeah, for some well cool presented. photos in the exhibition. Yeah. It's it's just something neat, it takes like ten minutes. Yeah. Which that's so a lot then of once the stuff you go here, like there's a lot of little what are almost extra things, you know. All the animal encounters yeah. and stuff like that. They're not going to take an hour out of your day, but each one, you know, 10, 15 minutes to sit, relax, look at some creatures. It's a good way to kill a few hours just in these walkthrough experiences. Exactly. And then you get up to your first ride after you go past Sea Jelly's Illuminated, and that's when we get up to Vortex. Now, this was a controversial inclusion when it came back in the day. As I was saying before, this just used to be an island that was similar. It was like a walkthrough attraction where you could see giant statues of mythical creatures of the deep. It was a, an interesting exhibition, but it was just sort of an, an out-in-the-open thing that you could do. Yeah. But they added Vortex to this island, 
And the interesting thing about this area is that it's right next to some dolphin pools. And these are the rehabilitation dolphin mm. pools for dolphins that have been rescued or they've been caught or they just they can't be reintegrated um, because it's too dangerous for the dolphin. So they put them in these pools and this is where they sort of get to know them, understand their personalities and see whether they send them to different aquariums or whether yeah. they keep them around or anything like that. SeaWorld, we will preface this. Um, SeaWorld does a lot of really good things for the Gold Coast. Their marine life rescue is you know, world standard and incredible. The amount of research I've done into this topic to make sure that they're not sort of just covering their butts from marketing shows that they are yeah, doing some really true. good things. So, and they're right while on SeaWorld the, in the US... Yeah, I was just going to oh, say sorry, they're also go. right... The location, which we haven't talked about, is that they are essentially right you know, on the water in the Gold Coast. And they've got, yeah. like, you can see times they'll literally just shoot a boat out from the park, go save a creature sort of thing. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. They're the people that you call in. Like, you call in SeaWorld when you see yeah. something going wrong, which is a really interesting thing to think. But um, that that's this park that's attached to the, the, the marine life and they're really dedicated to that. So it's nowhere near as controversial as the parks in the US, which, yeah. as we said at the top of the show, this park is not associated with in any way other than name. And even then the name's different yeah. because SeaWorld in the US is SeaWorld or one word, whereas this is Sea Space World. Very different, very different. <laughs> Yeah, incredibly different. So, But the problem was when they were building Vortex, one of the lead marine biologist people who, uh, Trevor Long, I think his name is, yeah. he's been working for SeaWorld for the longest time. He was the face of the park and their marine sort of biology sector. And he said, don't build this attraction. And management just basically kicked him to the curb. Yeah, we want to build it, though. It's a very yeah. loud attraction. There's a lot of screaming and all of that. And it's a fun ride, but it also feels a bit dirty when you ride it, knowing that that yeah. conversation happened. And Trevor Long no longer works for the parks. All of the references yeah. to him are gone. An interesting thing as well, there's a dolphin presentation where he used to announce the opening. He still does, but I noticed when I was listening to it, they've cut it in such a way that he doesn't say his name. <laughs> so his association me, with the park. voiceover guy. Yeah, like it's got, you know, we have this connection with the dolphins and it's his voice. But usually at the start, I would say, hi, I'm Trevor Long, marine biologist here at SeaWorld. And that just doesn't exist anymore. So that's an interesting thing. But mm. <laughs> yeah. So Vortex, we got to experience it's this a, for the first time in January. Yeah, it's a Huss top spin. I think this is, a. have done a quite a few rides like this because there's a lot of manufacturers mm. who do very similar attractions. I think this might be the only Huss version I've been on of this type of big swing. I don't know what else you'd really call it. I think <laughs> to I think Huss Topspin, that is like the original, right? And then everyone else is just kind of their own version of Yeah, said pretty thing. much. Um, but it's fine, I guess. I wrote it, uh, but I not really feel like I need to rush back to ride it again? Yeah, it's not going to knock your socks off. Like, it's mm. not something that you will get back to 
your hotel and write to mum and dad about how it changed your life. <laughs> it is just a, a fun attraction and it's really what this park needed because beyond this, there's two roller coasters and that's about it for the Major adult rides, attractions. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, so it is just a it's big good to have this flat ride. Flat ride. Um, it is in, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how it goes with the kind of general audience of SeaWorld uh, being, you yeah. know, mostly families and stuff. But I think once they open uh, the roller coaster, the wooden roller coaster, once they open the big kind of uh, star flyer, it will give that a little corner of the park to be more for the thrill seekers. And because the times we've been there, there's been maybe less than 50 people what was this like when you went in April? Did you ride this? Was it a lot busier than when it, we were there? It never got a wait over like 20 minutes. Yeah. The line just doesn't when, accommodate it. Wasn't? This was, you were there as well when uh, other parks at the Gold Coast that owned by the same company were seeing waits of like three, four hours for some yeah. of their major uh, thrill rides and roller coasters. So this was still sitting at 20 minutes. Says a well, lot. Well, the problem about, with... yeah. The attraction is it's so far away from the heart of the park. Mm. Like it's between two major areas and there is nothing else around. Yeah. So you sort of kind of go there, do the attraction, then leave. Whereas things like Storm Coaster and Jet Rescue, which we'll get to in a minute, there's things that you can you can do multiple times. They're right next to each other. Yeah. So it creates sort of a, a gravity point for people within the theme park. But it's Vortex. It's a Huss top spin. Nothing really crazy. It is Relative. part of New Atlantis. Yeah. It's, which is that new land which we we're talking about, which means that you can technically go into a little bit of it, but it's definitely not the heart and soul of that land. No. Which we'll talk about the extra two a little bit more at the end, but at the moment, this is a dead end. So if you want to continue into the rest of the park, yeah. you turn back around, go back across the bridge. You walk past that um, dolphin pools that we were talking about, the rehabilitation yep. dolphin pools. Uh, next thing you hit is the Seal Show, which I think is still running a, like, reduced offering, right? It used to be a storyline-based show, and then yeah. I th they've changed it to be, like, behind the scenes. But it's behind the scenes of the show rather than just presenting the show. It's a bit weird. <laughs> Yeah, so this used to be a show which was kind of like a, a cops and robbers type show back in the day where oh, the seals the were. Indiana Jones one? Oh, that was way back at yeah, the back that of the was park. Cool. No, no, there, that was this a nifty was show. Same, uh, same. It was a sea lion show. It went like back, they had, it was called Quest for the Golden Seal or something, and it was themed as yeah. like Indiana Jones, but it was in this same theater. Was this it? Has always no, been I always the, thought it was at the back. The sea line. No, dolphins have always been at the back and sea lions have always been at the front. And then it changed to the, the cops and robbers type one. Uh, and then it changed again to be what currently is kind of there, which is the good old save the ocean type um, edutainment, I guess, in inverted commas. Yeah. Uh, show. It's a big thing at this park where it's yeah. been, it's less about, you know, let's watch these animals do crazy tricks and more teaching you about, mm. um, a lot of these have interest in recycling and things like yeah, that. Messages. I assume that it's got to do a lot with sponsorships. 
and getting grants. This is sponsored by like an ice cream company or something, isn't it? That was the old one. It was like the streets. Yeah. Something show. I can't remember, but it was like the cops and robbers. But now they do this Seal Guardians, and I think I've only seen the proper show once. And that's yeah. where they actually have people come in, and it's like Seal I think Guardians. That's when we are you it, right? there? Yeah, that was. And yeah, now it's gone back to its presentation style, where they basically just go through the steps of the show and go, "This is a sea lion. This is its natural behavior. This is how we train them." Thanks for coming. It goes for like ten minutes, so oh, you see a lot of people who come and do this. And they sort of look around, they're like, oh, I waited for this. And yeah, then because they leave they're expecting and- if they've been there in the past, um, you know, you've seen the, I think the one, it's called like Fish Detective, I think. Fish Detectives was. Yeah, yeah. Was the, the one, the cops and robbers kind of one. Yes, like, that and was it was fun. about overfishing. Yeah, but it still was like fun. It yeah. still had a message, but was like funny and, you know, what you expect from a sea lion show. So people had seen these shows in the past. They're expecting, sure, it might have a message behind it, but it's mm. presenting that message in a fun way. Where if it's now just essentially a keeper talk in a giant theater, I can see why yeah. people would go in and be like, oh, that's it? Okay. Exactly. So you then leave this show, fairly decent show. And then you get to sort of what I would call the heart of the park. This is where all of your major food is. This is where all of your major attractions, including the kids area. And that's where all of this is. So you walk past the Seal Guardians presentation and on your right, you've got the Nickelodeon land, which just is full of, if you just picture in your head, kids rides, I guarantee you they're in here. With and a, it's well a themed. Light, it's a yeah, really nice a area. Nickelodeon theme. Of course, it's got a teacup style ride. Um, yeah. Yep. It's got a carousel. A rock and tug. It's got, yeah, a rock and tug and a kid's coaster that's got, you know, about 13 meters of track. Yeah. <laughs> and it does that classic thing where it goes around three times or, you know, twice three. if you're unlucky, twice if you go on a busy if day. It's real busy. And right next. To the Nickelodeon land is the SeaWorld Tavern, which oh, if you go to SeaWorld yeah. and don't have the classic $20 fish and chips with, with a, a beer. flat beer, yeah, with a, with a bloody beverage, beer, and you can only get like 4X gold, which is like the failure of an Australian beer, like the cliche, yeah. you, know, you know, if you think, what's that cliche American beer, the um, Bud oh, Light? The- Budweiser, Bud yeah, it's like that. No one really seriously drinks it, uh, but you can get a, di- a better beer, but it's like a $2 upcharge or something. <laughs> My dad used to, um, and I made fun of him for it. Now he does <laughs> it and I feel bad. Oh, no, so- <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> then outside of the tavern, it's a really good place to just go and absorb some atmosphere, especially if you can see, um, see oh, yeah. outside overlooking the park. I then you've got we- sort of the main... Yeah, we've pretty much every time we go to this park, we end up sitting on the side where the dolphin pool is. You can get a table right next to the water there, and we mm. always have fish and chips. Uh, and we've had like review time business meetings essentially on that on that dock there. <laughs> <laughs> the reason for it is because with three attractions, and if you go in the quiet time, there's not really much else to do. Mm-hmm. So it gives you that opportunity to just sort of unwind. I use it as a chance to just chill out, especially considering that SeaWorld isn't 
a massively popular park most of the time. So if you go during the off peak or any time that's not school holidays, I can guarantee it's going to be quiet. You'll be able to do anything you want. But at the same time, most of the rides at SeaWorld are heavily unreliable. So (laughs) you go past the tavern. You've then got this sort of central food court area that also has some shops. They they force you through, which kind of hate. Yes. Uh, so yeah, imagine it's the layout of this park is weird. Yeah, so it's the way that it could very easily be laid out is that it isn't just a straight line with little offshoots, but it is just a straight line with little offshoots. Mm. Like the you follow one major pathway, and then any attraction is essentially just an offshoot of that pathway, sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah, this- and. It's, it's indoors. There's so many I, dead ends. It has a Domino's pizza in it for some reason. Um, no, not anymore. Oh. It's now like village pizza. Oh, no. Uh, it has a cover, <laughs> though. So, And the weird thing is the monorail goes through here. Um, so we'll yeah. used to go through here. But, yeah, this is where you've got, you've got essentially the main food court type restaurants of the park it's got a burger place a pizza place cliche theme park food um they've got a store of course and they've got Mm. all the carnival games yeah yeah and it's all really well integrated so that if you sit down and have lunch then the carnival games are right there the Mm. kids see it and they're like i'm gonna go play the carnival games mom and dad give me more money Mm -hmm. it's it's very not hostile but it's uh they know what they're doing. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. Then f- from here, you can then take a left, which takes you up to the back part of the park. And I'll just quickly preface it by saying pretty much everything to the left is just showcases. It, it's yeah, yeah. You've got the polar bears. You've got the shark bay, which is sort of the, the reef area. They've also cool. got one of those... I really yeah, like. It's really interesting. Polar bears. This is probably the only place I've ever seen polar bears in the world. And I remember a few mm. years uh, would have been probably ten, almost ten years ago now. That um, I was there when they had the like the baby was born, and they had yes. the little part to the side where you could see the baby, and that was cool. And then Shark Henry, Bay's, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, little baby Henry. Um, that's always cool if they have. a... I don't think they've had a baby for a long time there though. No. But that was cool to see. And then Shark Bay's, yeah, just a cool aquarium. Yeah, it's a a nice big sort of open air aquarium that you can also go down into sort of an underground area where you can look out and see into it. It's got those big glass windows. And then you keep on going further down, you hit the little penguin area, what previously used to be known as fairy penguins. Mm -hmm. They changed the name for political correctness. And then you have Castaway Bay, which is in itself kind of an attraction, but we'll come back to that. So if you go to the right, though, you then have Jet Rescue and Storm Coaster, the two roller coasters at SeaWorld, and both of them... Well, Jet Rescue, I think, is a great accelerator. Especially for what it is. Like, in my mind, what it's attempting to do, it does well. Um, So it's that classic, you know, motorcycle slash jet ski coaster but it's got much more comfortable seats than the ones that you have yeah. to straddle. It is just like a normal seat. Uh, very similar if anyone's ridden Hagrid's motorcycle adventure, where yeah. it looks like it's going to be, you know, a motorbike, but it is just a comfy seat that's in the shape of yeah. a jet ski. Um, 
And yeah, it's got a couple of launches. It stays relatively low to the ground, but it uh, uses that well to kind of like whip you around a little back and forth. I think th- yeah, I prefer it's very this. whippy. Like, I think this is probably the best coaster in the park. Storm's fun, but I prefer Jet Rescue. Yeah, the presentation of Jet Rescue isn't as good. Yeah. But Storm Coaster, which is a Mack water coaster. So if you think about one of those rides that it's a boat and it's just a single train and it goes around uh, sort of like a twisty track and then does a giant drop into a water pool where it then becomes a boat and just hovers around. Yeah. The presentation of Storm Coaster is a lot better. It's themed around a big storm's coming. What a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And you're in a rescue boat going to rescue people. Yeah. Now, it doesn't really match up with the experience because not many rescue boats are on a giant track, but I think it's meant to simulate, like, your rescue boat is being picked up and flung around. and around. I think, yeah, I I think this ride's pretty... It's fun, but it kind of... It does both dark ride and coaster, but it doesn't do either of them incredibly well. Like, it's... Yeah. the, The coaster has, like, a helix and a drop, and that's it, essentially, and then the dark ride mm. scene doesn't really make sense, even though it's kind of cool, <laughs> because you you you've, you crash like into a boat, um, mm. but then that's all that really happens. You go through a boat that's for some reason crashed, and you've ended up inside it, and then you unload. Yeah, so when you go through the queue, there's this radio that's like, there is a big category, Mm. six storm on its way, and then they keep on, like, levelling up the category. And so it's like, get into the rescue boats, everyone. Then you get into the rescue boat, you can see a storm through a projection, and then you go onto the lift hill and you're in the outside. There's no story elements here. And then the next thing you know, you go through the final drop, you're inside a mega freighter. But the mega freighter's, like, exploding and things are going wrong. There's this big rush of water. And then it ends. And then you're like, huh? <laughs> and it's okay. like, okay. And it's it's a, cool. Yeah, it's it's visually exciting. It kind of, I kind of wish it was just a, a coaster. Like, they spent the extra yeah. money just making the coaster, you know, a little bit longer. Or, you know, after the splashdown moment, there's some other something else because, yeah, they've spent a lot of money on the dark ride elements, which it did replace a big, large dark ride in the same show building. Yeah. So maybe it was trying to be like a little homage to that. But, yeah, the I just wish it did one of the things better than doing both of the things. Eh. I actually think that this would be better as an open air attraction. If it just kind of went into a flume area mm. and you were just outside, but there was still like mangled bits of boat and cars and an aeroplane or something. And I think the big thing and- about it is because of the way that it's set up, the splashdown occurs in the building, which removes yeah. a big, you know, photographed, a big like attention grabbing moment that you always get in a flume ride or you always get in a water coaster. So it's a shame that they've hidden that away. Because that always acts as, like, you know, something to draw the guests over to the park, you know, or yeah. the families will stand there when they're, when they're, you know, their parents or kids or whoever it is are on the ride and they'll take photos of them at the splashdown sort of thing. You've always got that yeah. one kid who'll stand there and get absolutely demolished by the wave of water. <laughs> and you can just imagine the parents like, how are we getting him in the car home? Yep. Yeah. They used to have those big jet machines that you could go into and they oh, drive yeah. you up and 
The yeah, this I think putting it indoors was an interesting choice. You can see it from the exit, but not many people know to actually go into the attraction. Oh, because and you'll get annihilated the exit and the if you entrance. stand there. Oh so yeah, like you'll a little get absolutely side, destroyed with side water. walkway at the exit, and that's like the demolition derby walkway because you will just get knocked over by a wave. Oh yeah. So then, and that's that's it. Those are the two major attractions. Like, that's not it for the rest of the park, but that's it for things that you can ride. Yeah. Well, I guess technically there's one more ride, but the fact that they've put this whole area under a single ride kind yeah. of shows Says how intense it is. is. So uh, We walked past then- the second monorail station, which is the middle monorail station. Uh, oh, yeah, true. And it's kind of a... A nice corridor of no longer existing attractions because on the right, if you (laughs) go back to the main pathway on the right, you have a castle, uh, which used to house both a 40 cinema and a a flume ride. The flume itself is still there, but the ride doesn't exist anymore. So it's quite an obvious reminder of what used to be. And then on the left, you've got the monorail building, which hopefully will come back. But then continuing down the long winding pathway, you hit, as you were saying, Castaway Bay, which is essentially like four things in one, but they only listed yeah. as one attraction for some reason. It's very strange. So in this area, you've got a gigantic splash pad, which is really well themed, but it mm. is also just for kids. Yeah. And something that we've never shown on review time because we are too nearing 30 year old men and we don't want to go and film kids who are not our own in this area so this is one of those things we don't we are very aware of what we are filming and we just we choose not to film those sort of things um then you've got a battle boat something like that oh yeah battle boat is good if you want to get drenched but it is a uh, named officially named after the type of ride that it is, this is officially a battle boat. Yes. A Mac battle boat. Uh, oh, no, maybe it's called a Mac splash battle. I'm I can't not remember. sure. Either way. I yeah, don't usually keep that sort of knowledge wet. in my head. That's about it. Like you get. Yeah, it's wet. one of those. If you've never seen these, you go onto a little boat and you can move around the boat. So it's not something where you're like strapped in or anything Mm. like that. You can move around and splash people with these little water cannons. And then people on the outside can also splash you. So it's sort of like a little splash battle. Everyone gets into it. Great attraction for the kids. too on on this one that you can hit and then like an effect will go off. Uh, but be warned if you're walking around here because some of the boats have quite a reach on their guns. Yeah. Um, but ironically, next to it is an attraction that you're not allowed to go on if you're wet. So, um, yes, which is the what's it? It's called the uh, the sky climb sky challenge. Or yeah. So sky there's like climb. different. There's like a one's called the sky climb and one's called the sky fortress or something like that. Um, so Sky Climb is essentially just a good old harnessed up uh, big tower with different challenges that you can walk across. I can't remember what those are called. It's a high ropes course. A high ropes course. That's what it's called. And it's very bizarre. Apparently, the history of this attraction is that it was originally put in to be an upcharge, mm-hmm. but was extremely unpopular. <laughs> It was so they just opened it up for the park. few years, uh, and then they started closing rides. I think it it was for it reopened for free 
at one point because something was getting refurbished or something and they didn't have uh. enough attractions. And then it just kind of stayed free. But as you can imagine, an attraction like a high ropes course can't have that many guests per hour. So it's that thing where it's like, yeah, it's free. But I've also been there before where by the time I got to the back of the park, it was like, okay, come back in four hours if you want to do this. Yeah. And they do have like a little ticketing system. You put down your name yeah. and you can register yourself to get on there. And it's fun. It gives you a good view of SeaWorld and there are some challenging high ropes challenges. Yeah. But it's also just very bizarre. It's I don't really see it as an attraction. I see it more of an experience. Yeah. It's If you get the chance, you may as well do it. It's included in your ticket price. So uh, yeah. do it if you can. And then next to it is like a more easily accessible kind of net course where you can just run around in the nets uh you don't it's like a giant playground yeah it's very cool i haven't done it before because similarly we are two (laughs) nearing 30 year old men and it's mostly an attraction for kids yeah (laughs) uh but yeah you can have fun in there and we're pretty much up to the last two things now in the park except of course we've got to race back to the front to talk about uh the ski show uh we've got seal harbor Uh, which is I think this is a nicely presented area where you, you just walk around, check out the seals, they're chilling. It's just a little seal aquarium sort of area. You just walk around, learn about yeah. seals. It's nifty. You can see them doing their thing. Just living their best life. Uh, and then the final thing is uh, the dolphin show, which is called Infinity, uh, Affinity, sorry. And it's very yeah. much what you expect of we have a connection to the water. The dolphins are our people here. Come and it touch is, it a is dolphin exactly child. That. You have just experienced the magic of the ocean. And then the dolphins jump and do some flips. And yeah, they, there's the show pretty much in one minute. <laughs> pretty much. It's just a classic look at dolphins. Dolphins yeah, are dolphins neat. Are Have cool. a connection to the, ofa- uh, to the ocean. Don't be a dick. Uh, That's it. (laughs) Yeah. It does seem a little bit, the part of it seems to be, you know, hey, aren't dolphins cool? Don't you want to spend $300 to come and swim with the dolphins? Yeah. That's something we should say. SeaWorld has a lot of upcharges. Yeah. So you can can swim in the shark pool. You can swim with the seals. You can swim with the dolphins. You can meet the dolphins. You can have a family adventure solo with the dolphins. You can get bloody engaged by a dolphin. He'll take your ring and he'll put her on a finger. Like these dolphins are well trained. Yeah. (laughs) And it's cool, but yeah, get ready for... An expensive day out. So if you want to swim with the dolphins, uh, there's a couple package. So for two people, uh, you get 20 minutes in the water with the dolphin uh, for 650 Australian dollars. Ooh! So that's something. If you want to swim with the dolphin, you know. So yeah, as we're saying, there's not a ton to do in the park. But hey, if you were rich and had a lot of money. You could easily spend a day here. Of course, if you just want to, you know, not swim with the dolphins, if you just want to put your put your feet in the water and just pat the dolphin as he swims past, that's much more affordable at just $170 per person. Oh, nice. Uh, so, yeah, that gives you an idea of, you know, they say a lot of the money goes back to the animals, which is good. But 
yeah, that's maybe one of the most expensive upcharge experiences I've ever seen in a theme park. Yeah, it's it's also that thing where when I went there in April and I was talking to them about, because we went and did the reef, the Shark Bay reef diving snorkeling thing. Mm. It was only like $40. They had a promotion going at the time. When I was talking to them at Guest Relations to get this booked, they said every single other thing was sold out. Everything. Oh. So if you look on SeaWorld's list, and you go down all of their attractions. Every single one of those things was booked out. Uh, so their upcharge attractions. Sorry. So they've got the dolphin couple adventure, the behind the scenes of polar bear shores, the dolphin aqua adventure child, the deep water dolphin adventure, the seal adventure, the shark bay discovery, the dolphin family adventure, meet the dolphin penguin Antarctic adventure, and the seal encounter. And the only one that you were able to do was the snorkel. So yep. all of those. 12 things, 11 of them were sold out. That's crazy. The other thing as well that we didn't mention, because technically it's not listed as an attraction, but SeaWorld also has, as part of its offerings, you can get into a helicopter and go fly around. You can basically pay for your own private tour. And these are expensive. It'll be like five minutes is like starting at $400 per person. Yeah, it's crazy. They also have, um, I think both of these, you don't have to technically have a park ticket, right? There's some, yeah. So, and they also do a cruise. You can do cruises, which are called SeaWorld cruises, and they exit kind of like they are where the park is, but it's not really part of the park at all. Um, yeah. So, oh, currently they've got a sale on this the the helicopter. It's actually not too. Oh, okay, never mind. For five minutes of flight time, it's sixty dollars. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. And you just get to essentially fly over SeaWorld. That's it. Oh. No, I'd do that. Yeah, that doesn't seem too bad. Uh, If you want to fly to the Gold Coast, I think maybe this is the the ones you were thinking of. If you want a 20-minute tour for Mm -hmm. um, six people... I can't tell. Four people, sorry. It's uh, $1,100. That's whoa. Where, so yeah, five minutes, sixty dollars per person. Yeah, that's that, that equals out to about the right amount. But yeah, you can also get a seventy-minute flight, but that's four thousand dollars. Oh no, thanks. Oh, is that four thousand dollars for one person? Oh no, up to four. But yeah, yeah, that it doesn't count. So we're gonna call the dolphin. If you know of a more expensive upcharge. Then the Dolphin Couple Adventure, which is, um, what, that's $375 per person. If you know of a more mm. expensive upcharge, let us know. Because I'd be curious to see. Does Club 33 count? No. It has to be a, like, what, a well, What about 21 Royale? Mm, dining, I don't really, like, you could go to, I don't count dining. Like, you could say, well, yeah, I went it's to kind Blue of a restaurant Bayou and bought 50 entrees. So yeah, I got true. a million dollars, like <laughs> an experience that costs more. I'd be interested to know because yeah, food you can, you could spend a lot. And why would you do twenty one royal? Exactly. Um, but it, we've we've saved the best to last. We've talked about everything. 
well, other than the new stuff, but we've saved the best to last. Thunder Lake Stunt Show. Uh, a, yes. A, a show where a truck drives on the water. This is a cooked show. It's very so, s- strange. <laughs> I don't it's know very if it's, silly. I don't know if it's good or bad. I still haven't decided. So it's one of those classic Australian shows. If you come over to Australia, you'll notice that everything's bloody, oh, bloody shitty verse country. Yeah. The shitty slickers are versing the boys on the tractor. <laughs> and this is it. It's it's the River Rats versus the... The Sun State the, All-Stars. The All-Stars. Yeah. And it's just one of those shows where it's like, oh, I'm going to do this trick and that's going to make you look bad. And so they just keep doing tricks. I look bad. And then it also ends with them basically saying that the best trick of all is friendship. Yeah. And then they dance to Cotton Eye Joe. (laughs) It's so silly. And, And not even kidding. When I said there's a truck. There's a truck that just drives on the water for some reason and like blasts flames out of it. It's it's like a boat truck, but it just looks like a truck. I want to know who sat down and went, okay, guys, so we're going to have a truck. Okay, we can do a truck. No, no, the truck's going to go on water. Oh, okay. It's going to shoot flames. uh, And then once it docks, we are going to launch a jet ski off the back of it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here's your budget, sir. Have fun. And it's like on all the promotional stuff too, this truck, this this boat truck. Like on the poster, on everything, it's the boat truck. There is a bin that is painted and has the boat truck on it. It's It's glorious. There's a picture of us on our Instagram. Go find it. Praying to the bin, I think we are. Of the boat truck. But yeah, the the other two things that are coming to New Atlantis, I think we did get an official date, didn't we? Or the third of September. Ah, nice. So third of September this year, we'll finally get the other two. We've got a uh, wooden coaster coming, which is called Leviathan. I believe it's yeah. a, a Gravity Group. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So Gravity Group custom uh, wooden coaster. It's uh, listed as a family coaster, but it looks like it's still going to be one of those family but fun for everyone, which is very much yeah. what Jet Rescue is. So that yeah. makes sense. But then it kind of does make Vortex a little seem a little stranger as well, because it's not even like they're going to have any thrill coasters. They're going to have one thrill ride in the entire park, and it's Vortex, which is quite intense. Yeah. It's uh, not something that you would put a kid onto. No. Unlike, you know, something like Storm Coaster. Yeah. Um, and then Trident, which is their kind of star flyer, which looks fun. They used to have a star flyer in this park that was a, like, touring carnival star flyer that they just rented for a yeah, while. Yeah, it was a that temporary was attraction. Thing, yeah, when they were running out of attractions, like, they made um, the sky climb free and they also had this. But they're getting rid of it. They're putting in a permanent installation as well. Which should give you some really nice views over the park, and yeah, you know, there's it's right on the beach, kind of. You can see to the beach. You probably see to the city of the Gold Coast, um, all the buildings over there. So that I think that'll be cool. It'll probably it'll probably turn into one of my favorite rides of the in the park just because of the view. 
nothing else. Yeah. Except we hate. Um, someone contacted us last week saying, "Why do you? Why? What about wind seekers? Why are you scared of wind seekers? We're just scared of any <laughs> type of star flyer." Um, I just hate. I know wind seekers don't have chains; they've actually got bars, which makes you feel a little safer. But mm. spinning around. Trusting this little Bunnings chain that I can go and buy for a dollar a meter or whatever it is, is scary. Like, that'll scare me more than any coaster. That's for sure. Oh, it's terrifying. I just, I'm the same. I don't, don't like, but I'll do it because of the view. I'll do it. Um, And yeah, thanks to everyone. I got heaps of emails with tips and um, Twitters with tips. Last week, after our episode talking about our uh, upcoming trip that we're doing to the US. I didn't. Oh, humph. I think it's just because <laughs> my contact details are up at the moment. But if you do have any tips and tricks, let us know. Um, one of my favorites was apparently King Dakar is terrible if you ride in anything but the front row. So we're either <laughs> going to have a great day and get lucky or we're going to ruin the rest of our trip. So stay tuned for that. If you've got any other don't ride this ride in this seat or you'll ruin your entire life, let us know because we don't want to ruin, you know, 17 days in a row with theme parks. We don't want to ruin ourselves on the third one. Yeah, we want to make sure that we're able to do all of those 17 days. But I was thinking, like, when you do a couple of thrill parks back to back, you get rattled around. So I'm going to be interested to see how we go. But I think that sort of wraps everything up for this week. a, a, A kind of a weird place at the moment, but I'm excited to... Uh, visit after the 3rd of September, as we were saying, uh, ride all these new attractions and kind of see mm. what this almost, you know, four or five years of promises ascent and, you know, concept art and stuff like that. Finally, I'm ready to ride the finished package and a brand new wooden coaster. Make sure we need to get on in the first two weeks before it uh, turns to rubbish like all wooden coasters do, <laughs> it, especially ones built on the sea the ocean yeah Yeah. (laughs) well if you want to get into contact with me about anything on this episode you can reach me at review time dom on twitter i'm at review time luke on twitter and you can get us at time review on twitter or review time everywhere else we will be back next week or well in the next fortnight to discuss something that luke will be hosting but until then uh... have a great time we'll talk to you you will listen to us there see ya (laughs) Review Time's theme podcast is brought to you by Luke Carroll and Dominic Lacey. A big shout-out goes to our newest patron, Tiffany Balbuza, long-term Patreon, Bobby McDougall, and to you, the listener. Review Time's theme podcast will be back next week.